All right. Well, before we really get started on tonight, I just wanted to give you guys a little preview on what this series is, why we're doing it. Uh, and let's just be frank. Some of you react negatively when we talk about loveology, talk about love and romance. You might not want to talk about it that much, but I want to give you a little moment, a little pause to understand why we do this and why this is just so important. Uh, so, first of all, just in general, loveology, it's taken from a book, first of all. We're taking the title from a book, uh, and it's, a, it's all about how do we love others, how do we love Jesus, how do we follow in that, and it's about different, what we're going to cover with our series is we're going to talk about a few, just a few topics, a few ideas, and a few concepts for your life that as you are in middle school, as you're growing into high school and into adulthood, things that you do need to think there's nothing that we're going to talk about that you will not eventually have to deal with in a really serious way. This is, these are all things that uh, if you, you can talk to your small group leaders about, these are all areas that we can make really, really big mistakes, but it's also areas that we can have really meaningful uh, impacts and differences on the people around us. Um, so I want to talk about the topics. Tonight, we're talking about relationships, and like I said, I'm not just talking about dating relationships, so we are going to talk about that a little bit, uh, but just relationships with people around us and how do we love others. Uh, we're also going to talk about next week, gender, and the question, what does it look like to honor each other or the other gender? Does that look like? How do we do that? Uh, you know, boys and girls, sometimes we're different, uh, but we got to figure out how do we honor each other, how to love each other. Uh, and finally, in week three, we're going to talk about uh, LGBT. QIA and, and more uh, questions and, and things about that, really focusing on, though, how do we love others in a way uh, when they think differently than us? Someone that may or act differently than you, how do you still love them? What, what does it look like as a follower of Jesus to have a meaningful, loving relationship with them? Uh, and then finally, like I said, in week four, we're going to have panels where maybe you have questions about something we've talked about, something we didn't talk about, uh, what what do you want to talk about? It's anything. We're split up guys and girls. You can ask anything those, uh, or, or I mean, you can ask anonymously beforehand. If you are so bold, I'm sure you can raise your hand and ask a question, but, uh, but you guys can talk about whatever you want to. That time is yours, uh, ultimately. So your small group leaders will be sitting on those panels, and they are a wonderful resource, um, not just then, but now. As we're talking about this, if you have questions, I just want to encourage you, don't feel embarrassed, don't feel ashamed, or uh, think, I just want to hide this. Don't, don't think any of that. Just go up to your leader, ask them. They love you, they care about you, uh, and they'd love to talk to you about it. All right, so hey, relationships. We're talking about relationships. Uh, this is our big idea. Big idea is this, is that relationships were designed to help us follow Jesus. That's the ultimate point of any relationship you have in life. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're someone that identifies as that, someone that has been saved, that you care about uh, Jesus, you care about loving him, honoring him, relationships were a gift. They are a gift, and they're designed to help us follow him. Now, part thing is, I want to address that what the world teaches and what you hear and see elsewhere does not always align perfectly with Scripture. It's not always accurate. Uh, and this one is so common. With, with, this is a myth that the world offers. And when it comes to relationships, mostly romantically, it's this, that if you find the one, your soulmate, 
the perfect one. They will complete you, and your life will be a magical fairy tale like a Disney princess, and you will be transported to glorious riches and amazing, just perfect life, and you'll never have an issue ever again. I mean, really, that's silly, but really, that's not that far off, right? The world teaches that you are completed by someone. You find your forever partner. You find that right relationship. It will solve all of your problems. And anyone ever been in any sort of dating or very close friendship will be able to tell you that just ain't true. It's just, it doesn't work that way. That's not accurate at all. And furthermore, by the way, just outside of real life experience, I'm going to share some real life stories with you guys in real life. Uh, I'm going to give pro tips, but uh, according to scripture, we're given a very clear picture, very, very clear picture of what relationships are, what we're supposed to strive for, uh, and how they're supposed to help us or encourage us, although some of the dangers of them. Uh, I don't want to focus so much on what not to do. Don't do this, don't do this. I actually want to give you guys tools and ideas of this is positive, this is good, this is what we can do, this is why we care. Uh, and, and so that's a big thing. But first, my first pro tip, don't do it. When it comes to dating, you're in middle school. Don't do it right now. Don't do it. Wait to date. It ain't worth it. Some of you, you're like, girls are icky. Boys are gross. You're totally there. Some of you have had a crush since fourth grade, or you've had a boyfriend since kindergarten. I had my friend like that. One of my friends had a girlfriend from kindergarten. Her name was Haley, by the way. She doesn't go here. He, so I say that. Uh, and they were, they were boyfriend and girlfriend from kindergarten to fifth grade. That, totally crazy. Here's the thing. You look at you. Whatever, we're in middle school. We're so much older and more mature than those kindergarten through fifth graders. Here's the thing. This is my line for all of you. This is my one time I'm actually going to roast you. If you think that you are going on a date right now and your parents are driving you to the date, you are not on a date. You are on a play date. I'm dead serious. One time I'm going to roast you. You roast me all the time. I get one shot. By the way, can we just recap back to bingo? I got verbally assaulted for not choosing the right numbers. I have no power over that. Thank you. Make fun of my, make fun of my numbers. I'll make fun of you about dating. So here's the thing. Okay, all serious, all joking aside. This is all my fault. All joking aside, here's why. I want to give you actually some real-life things about dating. It's not worth it because every single dating relationship ends one of two ways. I don't know if you've actually thought about this. Every single one of them ends one of two ways. Or you don't. You married or you break up. Every single one of them ends that way. And I don't know if you've thought through all of this, because maybe you're just not even there. If you are 12, 13 years old, maybe 14, I don't know how old you want to be when you get married. I don't think I would want to date for 6 and 12 years until you get married. Also, the odds of you finding the right person right now are so low. You are going to grow and change and mature, and so are they. And that will continue on past marriage. But so much is going to change for you in your next six years, seven years, just in your life. And it will go much more beyond that. I have no idea what that is. But is it this? I don't think so. Uh, 
But so much is going to change that it's not worth it right now. You're not going to start something that's magical and it's just going to work out. And here's why I say every relationship will end one of two ways. First of all, it's true. Second of all, think about the cost-benefit analysis, right? So what could it cost you and what could it benefit you? The odds of you finding the person you want to marry right now and that relationship working out through all of it is so minuscule, so small, as the odds of you opening your heart and potentially being hurt or making poor decisions and bad mistakes are so high. And, and this is actually even in Scripture. Now, Scripture doesn't actually talk a lot about dating, okay? And, and we're going to get to that. But in Proverbs, which is a book about wisdom, we're given some wisdom. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Okay, so that idea of guard your heart, protect your heart. Don't offer your heart the deep knowledge of who you are, what you care about, sharing that deep and personal love. Don't just offer that to anybody. Guard it. Analyze carefully. And we're going to talk about some criteria, by the way, some things that you should look for about who you're willing to open up to. Not just in dating, but in all relationships. Think carefully about who you want to open up to. And this is why, because for everything you do flows from it, if your heart is damaged, if your heart is being influenced in the wrong way, your actions, your desires, your life is affected by that in a really real and tangible way. Again, I encourage you, ask your small group leaders stories about where maybe the heart has been broken or hurt. Again, not just romantically, but in relationships. It's something that can damage you. Some have experienced that already, and you can probably think of it of when your heart has been hurting. Guard your heart. That doesn't mean just be distant from everyone. Guard your heart. Be careful about who you're willing to open up to and share that with. And for that reason, among many others, last time I'm going to say it, don't date in middle school. It's not worth it. It's never going to work out. Don't do it. It's a waste of your time. This is another reason why. Second pro tip. Eventually, people are going to disappoint you. Everyone. Eventually, people will disappoint you. Literally, Every single person you ever have a relationship with, they're going to disappoint you. That's just a point for emphasis. Disappointment right there. They're going to disappoint you. I'm not touching anything. They're going to disappoint you. And here's what I mean. I don't mean that every single person is garbage and every person is not worth your time or investment. But it is true that we all mess up. You are going to disappoint someone else at some point. You already have, by the way, a single one, many times. Everyone will disappoint each other at some point. Here's, here's the thing. Relationships are great, and they're a great source of encouragement. I have some great relationships with some great people in my life. One of my best friends, <clears throat> not going to say names or anything, going to keep it general, but one of my best friends has been a friend for a long time. He has made decisions time and time again that disappoint me. That hurt me, that, that leave me confused, uh, and like hurt, really, genuinely, deep down, hurt, lack of trust. Still love them, still value them, but even one of my best friends, someone that I've known very close for most of my life, I mean, going back to third, fourth grade. For me, by the way, I'm 24, that's a long time. That's, I'm not a boomer. Hold on, pause, pause. 
I'm a millennial, maybe. I'm like on the edge. No, Gen X is before. Gen Z is after. Gen X is like our parents. Our parents are Gen X. Excuse you. I don't need to be roasted in that way either, Claire. Thank you. We're having. I disagree. I don't appreciate this. Here's the thing. Claire right there disappointed me in that relationship. Okay? Real life example. Here's the thing. Everyone's going to disappoint you. Even my best friend, even your best friend. Honestly, the honest truth. Your parents at some point either have or are going to disappoint you. That doesn't mean your parents are horrible people. That doesn't mean throw them out. That inherently, that fact alone does not mean it. You're going to disappoint them. You have. Sorry, you have. But here's why. Okay, it's a lot of negativity. Let's get to positivity. Here's why everyone will disappoint you, and it's because they're not God. They're not perfect. And if we are looking specifically to relationships, to other people, whether it's your best friend, whether it's your family, whether it's your eventually, because we're not dating in middle school, right? Uh, eventually, your partner, your significant other, husband, wife, whatever, they are going to still disappoint you if you have put them on the pedestal that belongs only to God, right? That pedestal that you're putting them on was not meant to support the weight of their sin. We've all sinned. We've all I'm right there with you, okay? All this applies to me just as much as you. If you have put someone on that pedestal that belongs only to God, the weight of their sin is going to break it. It's going to lead to disappointment. It's going to hurt. Luckily, Jesus gives us some wisdom here. He gives us some encouragement. Let's get to positivity. This is honor. We're all bad. Positivity. John 10, 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Emphasis on the end there. Have it to the full. God wants us to feel full, to be complete, to be full, not feel full, to be full and complete. What does that mean, though? And ultimately, here's the deal. This is what I want you to take away. If you get everything else from this one point, it's this. It's that God is the one who completes us. Another broken human, another person that has the same mistakes and flaws as you, is never going to complete you. They're never going to fit that God-shaped hole in your heart. It is Jesus who came. This is the story of the Bible. This is the story of Scripture. This is the good news. He came to fix that problem for us. He wants relationship with you and me. He wants to make you full. What he means is he wants to restore you to be in right relationship with him. A part of that, by the way, is relationship with others, particularly, hopefully, in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, hopefully other followers of Jesus in this room are helping you and encouraging you to do that. It's part of what your small groups are so driven and love you so much for because they want to help encourage you and be a positive relationship in your life to encourage you towards this end goal of being made full, to have life, have it to the full. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died on the cross was to give us the way to be made full. So here's the deal. Don't look to sinful people to fix what God has already offered the solution to. Okay? That's the key difference. Again, this does not mean that everyone around you is garbage and not worth your time. But what it means is understand our roles and place 
I still have people in my life that I love, that encourage me, that help me, that I would not be where I am for them. But they are not God. They are not the one that makes me whole. Even all of them together, they do not make me whole. It is because of relationship with God. It's because of understanding what he did for me. It's because of seeking after him. That is what makes me whole. He paid the price. He did the work. Our job is follow him. Okay? Otherwise, you're going to be left disappointed. may not happen right away. It will happen eventually. Finally, third, final, big pro tip. This is the biggest one. Look for the real deal. We've talked about some negatives. Let's talk about the positive. Look for the real deal. When you're looking for a relationship, look for ones that encourage you. This is the big idea, right? Look for ones that encourage you to become more like Christ. That is the real deal. Again, whether you're looking romantically in dating, not in middle school, when you're looking romantically at dating, or you're looking at the people around you that will influence you and encourage you. Look for the real deal. That's to get your attention. So here's the thing. Know your worth. Each of you, know your worth. You are valuable. Do not cheapen yourself. Don't lower your standards. Each and every one of you, I'm trying to make eye contact around the entire room right now. You are all valuable. And don't lower your value. You're valuable not because you're an amazing person, not because you're God's gift to mankind. That's not what I mean. Don't swing too high with your value right now. Don't get your ego up. But you are valuable because you are made in the image of God, loves you. He paid the price for you. You have value. You have worth. Your value was bought with a very heavy price. As a follower of Jesus, if you claim to follow him, your value is bought with his blood, with his life. Don't cheapen that value. One more verse for us, and we're going to sit here for just a minute and close. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, right? Paul, great missionary, just in Galatians. This is what Paul said. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Real quick, yoked. If you don't know this image, they used ox, big cows, essentially, to plow. The yoke was the thing that would go over the cow that connected the, the plow, Right? Don't be yoked to them. Don't be tied together with them. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Right? Sharing things. What harmony is there between Christ and which here, the devil is what the name is? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Real quick at the end there. Your value is that you, as a follower of Jesus, are a temple of the living God. We get that in other places in Scripture too, and we don't have time to unpack all of that, but understand this, that when we follow Jesus, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is God's Spirit and God's presence in us and with us. And wherever we go, God goes because he is there with us. So your value is to represent his temple. You are his temple. You associate yourself and if you are influenced and dragged down by people that do not encourage you and build you up to be a better follower of Jesus, you are diminishing, tainting, damaging the value of that temple. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You're worth more than that because you're a follower of Jesus. Because things have changed for you. Paul, in this if we just want to understand it broadly, he's comparing positive and negative, right? Light and darkness, righteousness and wickedness. As a follower of Jesus, 
your goal is to be with people that encourage you to be righteous, that encourage you to walk towards the light, which represents God and goodness. Uh, we want to be with people that encourage us towards that and not drag us away from it. And so when I say look for the real deal, it's look for people that fit that bill, that fit that description. We want to look for relationship with one another that encourage us to be built up in the value that we have as followers of Jesus, as people that have been bought with a price. This is a scripture, right? That we were all, we are all, broken by sin. That it's your own wrongdoing that has sent Jesus to the cross to die for you. But God did that lovingly because he wants to restore you into right relationship with him. And as a part of that, we have right relationship with one another, where we love one another, we encourage one another. Look for people that do that for you. And by the way, one of the things in here, when you're looking at the reason, when someone loves you, occasionally it's hard. They call you out on things. When you're messing up, someone that loves you and someone that's worth keeping in your life is someone who firmly but lovingly corrects you and calls you out on your sin and calls you out when you do wrong. That is someone, by the way, keep them around. They're valuable. They love you. They care about you. It may not feel like it in the moment, by the way, when they call you out. No one really likes being out. No one likes criticism. It may not feel like that, but I, I encourage you, and I hope for you, take a minute, step back, actually think about it. If you're a follower of Jesus, think about that. Look for someone that is willing to love you enough to risk their relationship with you to help you be a better follower of Jesus. I'm not just saying be the best version of yourself, right? That's another thing the world will say. Be the best version of you. The best version of you ain't that great, just being honest. If you're on your own, it's really not that special. But the best version of who God wants you to be and who God empowers you, desires you to be, that, that is something special. That's something that we strive for. That's what God-honoring relationships do. That's what relationships that are designed to follow Jesus that's what they do. So my hope and goal for starting this today is to give us a little bit of background that we can talk about next. We're going to talk about gender, relationships between each other. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about relationships with people, like I said, A and plus and more. We're going to talk about relationships with people that, that maybe don't look like everyone, that maybe don't agree, or you may even feel like are in opposition to. We're going to talk about that. Uh, that feeling, but how do we have relationships that are even outside of the church, and how do we love outside of that? That Relationships really are key, so important in life, and, and we all know that deep down. Your friendships, your family, we know that they're valuable, and we know that we, we care about them, and we need them, but put this in the right context of how do we strive for good, God-honoring relationship. So I want to offer a couple of questions, and we're going to close. I want you guys to have a lot of time in small groups to talk about this. But first question is this. Are, what are some things that you can look for in a healthy relationship for you? And I do mean this in both romantic or not, right? Because, again, we're not dating in middle school. But, oh, too bad. Uh, if I catch any of you dating, I'm going to find them and say, hey, they're on a play date. So, uh, but think long term. It's good to think about this already. What would you look for in someone that you are romantically interested in that you might have a crush on? 
what would you look for in them? But also in your friendships, in relationships, maybe in a mentor or, or just a good friend, someone that you trust, what are some of the things you would look for? Feel free, share that. If you have a journal, by the way, write it down. See what you think. Secondly, and this is the hard one. This takes a little bit of a gut check. What are ways that you have put other relationships in the role on that pedestal that God is supposed to have? And it's good just to take a moment and be honest and look at some of those ways. Maybe you can name a relationship. If it's someone that people might know. Don't actually name names. But think of that relationship and think about how you put them in that role. And then instead, what do you need to do to put God back in that place? Right? So pray for us, and we're going to close in, in worship. But be thinking about those before you head to small groups. Um, guys, this is, this is important. It can be a little bit awkward to talk about the things we're going to talk about for this month. But I'm excited about it because I remember when I was your age. And I know people say that all the time. But I know what it's like to be your age and to start to be thinking about these things. And it's so important that we're able to love each other, trust each other with this. So I hope that together t- tonight and for the rest of this month, I hope for more than just this month, we can be a good group where we can have good relationships with each other. And let's have honest, hard conversations. And let's not get too sidetracked. Let's honor and respect each other. Okay, so let's do that together. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing some songs and head to small groups. God, just pray that this idea of relationships and ones that are designed to honor you, I pray that we a, a good together in following, in seeking to, to honor you and seeking those relationships that, that honor you. God, I just pray tonight that we can be honest with each other, that we can love and trust each other to, to share, encourage one another, let relationships in this room build up and grow and be exactly those relationships that are the real deal, the things that you want us to strive for, that, that you have placed into our lives. Help us seek each other out in that. God, just pray that we would love you. Uh, Amen.